Today's but today is a show we're looking back at the 2005 adaptation in the 1996-20 or more when musical rank. I'm Blake, and we're at the end. We have reached the end of the movie and the Broadway show. So I have no guests, because I'm going to wrap things up here, and we're going to talk about the very end of the movie and the Broadway show. First things first, we're going to get right into things here. In the movie, Roger goes looking for Mimi. And we have a little montage here of them trying to find Mimi and all this kind of stuff. And to the point where Roger shows up at Mimi's apartment and it's empty. I like the fact that the group, as a family, is trying to find Mimi. It's a cool little point, And they even have missing signs and all this kind of stuff. I love that about this. It shows how close they become and how much they really, really, really care. To the point where Roger even goes up to the drug dealer to see if they can find Mimi. It's so it's a little thing like that that I love the detail of a family coming together. Speak. Hey guys, it's Benny. Uh, look, I was wondering if you've seen Mimi. I haven't seen her in a couple of weeks. She dropped out of rehab, and I'm afraid that she may have started using again. If you find out anything, Hi, let Roger, me know. Hi, Mark. It's, um, I just, just want to know she's all right. Still no sign of Mimi. Joanne and I printed up some flyers. Hey, guys, so... uh, it's Collins. I'm just checking I'll in. call back when we hear anything. You guys heard from Mimi? Roger, uh, I spoke to the manager of the Cat Scratch Club. She hey, hasn't Roger, shown up there? for work in a long time. Look, I just Almost went to the police month. station, and I filed a missing persons report. And uh, I spoke to a friend of Mimi's who said that she saw her about three she weeks ago. She hasn't picked up her AZT in a while. But she said she's been living on the street. Couple weeks. Living on the street. It's Collins again. I should be heading back home soon, like right around Christmas. Right around I'm Christmas. I'm really starting to get worried. She's living on the street. It's getting cold out there. It's too cold out. She With voicemail number five, which we skipped voicemail number four earlier in the run, which I kind of, I'm sorry for, we were in a rush to get through some stuff, and we skipped over voicemail number four. Speak. Mark Cohen, Alexi Darling, Labor Day weekend in East Hampton on the beach. Just saw Alec Baldwin, told him you said hi. Just kidding. We still need directors, you still need money, you know you need money. Pick up the phone, don't be afraid of kerching, kerching. Marky, sell us your soul. Just kidding, we're waiting. The voice of number five is a personal favorite of mine because this is actually the one where everyone's trying to find everybody and all the parents are calling. And in fact, I love this one because it's fun. Roger, this is your mother. Roger, honey, I don't get these postcards. Moving to Santa Fe, back in New York, starting a rock band. Roger, where are you? Mimi Chica. Roger, where are you? Donde Roger, where are tu you? Mama. Roger, Esta where are mama. you? Roger, where are you? Roger, where are you? Um, my personal favorite is that Roger's mother is trying to explain where Roger is, and in th in this one sentence, 
you get the entire montage that we got in what you own in the movie. But here in one sentence where, Roger, honey, I don't get these postcards. Moving to Santa Fe, back in New York, starting a rock band. So now we don't know where he is. But we know he's back in New York, so that's great news. Um, we find out Mimi's mom, Joanne's father, and Mark's mom are all trying to find their kids, and nobody's answering their phone calls, as we learned earlier. They see everyone screens. Everybody screens. Surprise me, Joanne, though. Joanne's the one that surprises me more than anything else here. So then, we go to Finale A, which, in the Broadway show, starts with Christmas bells are ringing again. We wrap it up with all our homeless people. This is the goodbye to the homeless people outside, as um, we're going to send them off. Christmas bells are ringing. Christmas bells are ringing. Christmas bells are ringing. How time flies when compassion dies. No stockings, no candy canes, no gingerbread, no safety net, no loose change, no change, no Santa Claus is coming. Cause Santa Claus ain't coming No room at the Holiday Inn again Well, maybe next year or when And earlier in the movie, during Christmas Bells, we had the Santa Claus ain't, Santa Claus ain't coming with the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer flipping everybody off. This is one is the same guy actually doing a jerking off motion instead. So, there you go. So, that's that. Goodbye to the homeless people. That signs them off. Sends off somebody. So far, we've signed it off all the parents, and we've signed up all the homeless people. So, let's get to our main crew, shall we? We cut inside. December 24th, 1990, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I can't believe a year went by so fast. In the movie, obviously Mark says that. In the Broadway show, we're getting right into things. And it's time to turn the projector on, and we get to see the movie, which is really, really exciting, actually, because you don't really, you get to see it in the film, but I think it's better here in the movie, for in the Broadway version, because we get to see more, which, my personal opinion, that's a good thing. So we start, and it says, today for you, proof positive on the screen, which I love it, a nice tribute to Angel, I think that's a cool moment. Um, of course, we start where Mark actually tells us where we're going to start, which is his first shot on Roger, with the Fender guitar, with the, yeah. First shot on Roger with the Fender guitar, he just got out of hock. And it's a nice shot of Roger. By the way, what I like about this, if you ever see it on Broadway or on a stage of any kind, they always reshoot this for the cast that you're seeing. So the shots on the screen are actually the cast you're seeing, which I like that little detail, because it shows like the character of Mark actually filmed this cast so first shot roger with the fender guitar he just got out of hock when he sold the car that took him away and back i found my song found his song if he could just find me me i tried you know i tried fading on mark who's still in the dark but he's got great footage which he's cut together to screen tonight we find out that Roger came back, Roger found his song, and they still can't find Mimi. Um, next up, we got Mark, who's still in the dark, 
and we find out that he uh, cut the whole thing together, as we saw in the movie, actually, What You Own, and we're going to be doing this to screen tonight, and we find out that Muffy, Allison, pulled Benny out of the Villa's location, because she found out about Mimi. At this point, though, the power goes out. So we're not going to screen this film right now. Collins enters, and we find out that we don't really know how Allison found out about Benny and Mimi, but Collins says, an angel. I had a little hunch you could use a little flow. Tutoring again. Negative. Back at NYU. No, no, no. I rewired the ATM at the Food Emporium to provide an honorarium to anyone with the code. The code. Well. A-N-G-E-L. So now, they can get money whenever they want. Now, in a real-world situation, this is not a good thing, but in this movie world, they're broke. It fits the concept. But I also like the fact that he actually sits on and calls it Robin Hooding, which is really cool. They go back to um, Reprise of Santa Fe here, as we talk about Santa Fe, and Roger Penguin says, you miss New York before you cut on pack. And that's where we are done with the three guys, which is cool. It's a nice send-off for the three of them, but we're not done. All of a sudden, we hear... Maureen yelling up, and Maureen and, me, and Joanne have found Mimi. Mimi has been passing away, actually. They found her passed out and freezing in the street. So, Maureen and Joanne yell for help. Roger and Collins and Mark run down and help Mimi up to the loft, get her into the loft, and we find out that she's shivering and shaking and she's cold, but she has to come to see Roger since it feels like she's going to die any minute now. That sucks. It really does suck at this point. And I, I feel for Roger. It's like he finally figures out what he wants. He finally figures out he needs her. And she's, he's going to lose her before he even gets the chance to do anything about it. Maureen tells Collins to call 911. And this is the part that pisses me off to no end. This is the one part in this whole thing that really makes me mad, no matter if it's here or in the movie. Roger, Collins picks up the phone to call 911, and they put him on hold. That pisses me off to no end every single time I hear that line. It's annoying. It's stupid. I don't get it. But, hey, you got to get some drama in here. So, even if... I, I, the point is, call 911, 911, she said help, but this help's not going to get there in time no matter what happens here. It's just annoying with the fact that they put, they put them on hold. It really makes me mad. Okay, rant over. So, Roger pretty much says, Roger and me, Mom, had to make up. They apologize to each other in their old classic ways. I should tell you, I should tell you. I should tell you, I should tell you I should tell you Benny wasn't any Shh, I know I should tell you why I left It wasn't cause I didn't I know I should tell you I should tell you I should tell you Roger pretty much says, 
Who do you think you are? Leaving me alone with my guitar Hold on, there's something you should hear It isn't much, but it took all year And he goes into your eyes Your eyes As we said our goodbyes Can't get them out of my mind and I find I can't hide From your eyes The ones that took me by surprise The night you came into my life Where there's moonlight I see your eyes Which we actually saw him writing on the bus in the movie, which I, you know what, a lot of people hate that, that we see him writing the song, but it makes sense, he's been trying to write this song all here, he's been trying to write this song all movie, why not show us him writing the song, and for me, it was a nice little moment, like, oh look, that's the song he's gonna sing later, and for those who don't know, it's set up for now. So now, okay, on the commentary track, Chris Columbus had an issue was not making this look like an Elvis movie, apparently, his words, not mine, by having Rogers sit at the bed side of the bed or the table and Mimi's dying and he's going to play guitar and try to get her back to life or just to sing to her. So at one point they play the guitar, he sings and they put the guitar down to finish the song. That's how they did it in the movie. I don't see an issue with that personally either way. I don't understand why he's thinking it's going to be an old movie in the musical. The whole point of Ryder's character is that he wrote this song with his guitar. So obviously... He's going to want to sing it with his guitar. I, I don't understand the problem with that. But that's just my opinion. Well, here we go. So he sings Your Eyes. And it's a very short song. It makes me wonder, how come it took him a year to write this? But maybe it didn't take him a year. Maybe it took him about a month. And if that's the case, I'm okay with it. Because we think about this, we went from Halloween to Christmas Eve. So in that time frame, it took him a little bit of time. He had to travel to Santa Fe and come back. And according to the movie, on the way back from Santa Fe is where he wrote this song. I really love this song. It's really sweet and really, really cute. It's really, really nice. All right. Um. So then we end up to this. What I like about this is that if you don't know the show, this ending is shocking because your eyes is playing. He finishes the song. Everything goes black on the screen in the Broadway show and in the movie. Everything gets in. Everyone's crying. And then he comes back to life and she jumped over the moon. And I love the fact that she says, I jumped over the moon. I jumped over the moon. What? A leap of... Ooh. She's back! I was in a tunnel, headed for this warm white light. Oh my god. And I swear, Angel was there. She looked good. She said, turn around, girlfriend, and listen to that boy's song. It's really crazy, but it ties into earlier, and... Sure, why not? And um, everyone's shocked. Everyone's absolutely shocked. And her reasoning that she came back is because Angel saw her. She saw Angel at a light. And she said, turn around, girlfriend, and listen to that boy's song. Wow. That's an amazing moment. 
Because it, it, it Sting is like, whoa. And Colin's look on his face every time is like, what? 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 What did, what did my girl say? He said to turn around. So she turns around. She's here. And we're going to wrap up this show with the end of Finale B. And it's only right that Mark starts the song up again. Where he starts with, there is no future, there is no past. And Roger jumps in. Thank God this moment's not the last. I, I love the fact that Mark and Roger start the song. Because it's like, it's their story anyway. So why shouldn't they start the final song? There is no future. There is no past. Thank God this moment's not the last. There's a So, in the Broadway show, we have the big number. Mark's videos playing, Mark's movie playing in the background. It's going nuts, and we have everyone showing up. All the characters in the Broadway show, and in the movie, we do the same thing. Now, in the Broadway show, everybody comes on stage to finish the song. It's, like, it's always like a curtain call. Everyone's going to come on, and we're going to finish the song. We're going to have a big group at the end, and then they're going to call out Angel and bring him back on to do the last no day but today at the end. In the movie... They have two alt. They have two endings. They have the ending like this in the Broadway show, where they actually—it's on the DVD—where they're doing the song, and then they cut back to the stage that they opened up the movie in a season of love, and then they bring Angel back out to finish up the song. There also is the end of the movie that's actually in the cut, where they're all sitting and Benny's not there, the cast isn't there. It's just Mark, Roger, Collins, Joanne, and Marine, and Mimi, and they're singing. Angel obviously isn't there, but the last shot in the film on the screen is Angel posing, which I personally like that ending in the movie. Probably show it's different, but you got to make curtain call in, and that's really awesome. But that's it. That's where we end things, with everybody happy, still to a point, everyone together, and everything going great. I, I personally love how this ends. It's very, very cool and very, very emotional. So that is how the movie ends, and it's how the Broadway show ends.
Now, before we get into anything else, there are two things I want to do here. First of all, if you've never seen the the final performance of Rent Broadway DVD, I'm going to end the show instead of the typical no days but today ending that I normally do. We're going to play the entire rendition of Seasons of Love that happened right after this. Because remember, this is the final Broadway show. So the almost the entire cast came back. I think only Indina Manzella is in here. Uh, obviously, I think he was doing Frozen and stuff at the time. And um, in fact, I, I talked to Anthony Rapp on my interview with him at the beginning of this podcast. And you can hear him talk about this because I was actually watching this in prep before I interviewed him. So I brought it up immediately. Like, how did it feel in the last performance? You can hear him talk about that. Well, we're going to close the show with the full season of love performance with the whole cast on stage from the past and the present. It's a lot of people. It's really, really emotional and really, really cool. So we're going to close the show with that. Well, before we do that, uh, I want to make a note to a song that's on the movie soundtrack that's not in the movie or even in the credits. And I don't, and it kind of annoys me because if it's in the credits, it may have got nominated for an Oscar. And I didn't realize it wasn't in the credits until I was actually doing this. It is Love Heals. And I think it's a perfect song to end this because it's a really, really dynamic song that we're talking about how, at the end of the day, love heals all wounds. And it's a song that was written by Jonathan Larson that did not make the cut. And I like the fact that they included it. Because it's something new, it's something different. It gave you something really cool on the actual soundtrack, and we're going to play a little bit right here. Like a breath of midnight air, like a lighthouse, like a prayer, like the flicker. And the flare the sky reveals Like a walk along the shore That you walked a thousand times before Like the ocean's That's it. That's our show. I know this is a shorter episode than you guys have been used to since we rebooted the show, but it's just me. I don't want to ramble too much. I've rambled a lot in the last couple of weeks, and um, I want to thank everybody that's been on the show with me. First of all, I want to thank my wife, Mandy, who was on the first episodes with me, and she also has been dealing with my schedule and trying to get other people on the show. I love her to death, and she put up so much for me in the podcast world. She's the one who says, go for it, do what you got to do. She's the best, like, do it person I've ever heard. And she does everything to help me out and do my projects. And I got another project I'm going to announce as soon as I'm done with this. But um, thank you to my wife. So let me go to my guests. First of all, David Kincannon from Poppagacy. An everlasting minute. Fantastic first guest to come on. He was wanted to come on so badly. And I'm like, come on on. You've started us up and we'll get into things. Then we have Matt Poldine, who came on, a family friend. After that, we have Lynn Whittaker from Mean Girls Minute, who came on for back-to-back episodes. And that was really, really a lot of fun to do the ups and the downs of this show. Then we have Robert Black from Dave Had a Minute and Michael Myers Minute, who was really awesome to talk about his history. And we found some of the sort of show more than I did. So that was really cool. And then finally... Our final guest is Matt Temanetti from Broadway World, who was really, really cool criticizing the movie, but still praising it up as Rent is one of his favorite shows. 
And finally, thank you all for listening. I know we had a bit of a break in the summer. I needed to concentrate on Clerks Minute, and I couldn't do both projects at once. So thank you so much for joining us to finish up this run. This was a lot of fun for me to talk a musical. I'm hoping sometime in 2019 I can do another musical. Um, this was cool, and I have to find the right musical to do. I have some ideas. I'm not going to announce that here, but look in the future for me to actually say, one more musical, we're going to do it again, but that won't be till the end of 2019. My next project. First of all, if you have not wrapped up, go over there and listen to Clerks 2 Minute. We're wrapping up that soon. We're going to be breaking down the cartoon animated series after we finish up the movies. Over there, we're at that point where we're going to be breaking down the animated series. So go and listen to that. It's a lot of fun. We have the Lego Style Show every single Friday. It's a Royal Rumble week, as you're hearing this. So we're going to have a big Royal Rumble show at the end of the week. And then, of course, on Tuesdays right after this, you can hear the Lego Style Show year one. So that's all the stuff going on right now. Coming in April is my next big project. It is called D5 The Mighty Ducks. We're going to be breaking down The Mighty Ducks movies five minutes at a time on a weekly Friday morning show. So in the slot we're in here, when you're hearing this on Tuesdays, on Friday mornings in this time slot, where Clerks Minute currently is, will be a weekly show starting in April breaking down The Mighty Ducks. And then over the next couple of years, I'll break down the other two movies. So we're going to start with the original Mighty Ducks, and that starts in April 2019. So in about two months, you'll hear me start that movie. Um, as for Rent Live, that is this weekend, and um, I hope everyone enjoys it. I'm going to try to grab Mandy, and we'll do a special Pucks and Polish episode over on the Blake South Show feed, breaking down Rent Live, and maybe I'll simulcast it over here. I haven't fully decided. It probably will. So don't unsubscribe. Or if you do unsubscribe, go to the Blake South Show and hear our review of Rent Live next week in place of the Blake and Sal Show. Till then, thank you so much for listening to this show. This is so much fun for me to do. Rent's one of my favorite movies and my favorite musicals ever and Broadway shows. So thank you all for listening to the show. And I haven't said it this entire run because I wanted to end with this. Thank you, Jonathan Larson.
5,600 